Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the .NET on AWS show. I'm your host, Brandon Minnick, and with me normally would be our amazing co-host, Francois, but he is out sick today. So, Francois, if you're watching this, we hope you feel better, man. Uh, but I do have a couple announcements for folks who are in the .NET community. There was a big release last week. Uh, Microsoft pushed out a new version of .NET called .NET 8. And there's tons and tons of videos because they had a whole conference about it too. So there was .NET Conf. And if you look closely, you'll see me in one of the videos. I got to come on and talk about one of the libraries I work on, the .NET MAUI Community Toolkit. So go back and check it out because .NET 8 has so much good goodness <laughs> for us .NET developers. Uh, it'll make your apps faster just by running it. There's amazing things like dynamic PGO and tiered compilation and all sorts of optimization that actually you can check out in a previous episode that we did with our guest, Martin Ulrich. But with me today, we're going to jump right into it. We have an amazing guest. You know him from his website and his podcast, Techie Gurus. You know him from his amazing blog, Buck Buckley Planet. Christian Buckley, Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brandon. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't met you yet, who are you and what do you do? Yeah. So uh, so I am, let's see, uh, day job, I am the director of partner management for a company called Rencore out of Germany. I'm the first and currently only US employee. And, uh, and so we do governance across the Microsoft 365 stack. Um, I'm also on the board of directors and am an author for uh, uh, the site Techie Gurus, as you mentioned. And uh, Techie Gurus is a Microsoft technology-focused uh, website. Um, there's a there's a lot more that's happening behind the scenes there, but it's a it's a community. As we like to say, our our tagline is built by the community for the community. So um, just about everybody that's involved with it and board members are also authors. There's a bunch of us that are MVPs and regional directors. Uh, and most people don't know what that is in RD, but that's another thing that's out in the system. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, I've got Buckley Planet, which I just kind of uh, was looking through plotting out my schedule for Q1. And I'm sure as we all do this, I'm looking ahead at dates and realized on my calendar February 3rd will be the 20th year anniversary of my blog. 20 years. I, I know it's a, for, it's a long time. Yeah. So I, I'm old. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm, look, I've been in, I've been in tech my entire career, which is now uh, over 30 years. Um, I've been, uh, I'm a, a, it's funny enough, I'm a marketing guy, but I went and did, uh, you know, technical project management and started off as a business analyst and tech writer, and then became a PM, worked for the phone company, um, worked in a number of startups, had my own startup, sold my startup. Um, yeah, did some interesting things, some fun projects, went to work for Microsoft. I'll say this, people that know me know this, like I was, uh, I did not enjoy my time working for Microsoft. Is I'm a better, I'm a better on the outside. I'm a community guy. Um, didn't get kind of the Microsoft employee model, um, but um, but love partnering with the company and uh, have been in this space in the ecosystem working for different ISVs or independent software vendors. So um, Microsoft, now this is the, uh, the the very diplomatic way of saying that Microsoft creates a lot of things, and with a lot of creation, often comes a lot of 
mess that partners, or I should say opportunities for partners (laughs) to come in. And so I've worked for a number of those partners to go in and work on some cool technology and with some cool Microsoft technology. And so I'm a technologist at heart. um, But uh, yeah, when it gets down to my roots, I'm a marketing MBA. (laughs) That's, you know, normally... I feel like most developers would hear I'm a marketing MBA and run in the other direction. Uh, but you've done so much work for the community. And I'm curious, maybe we we go back all the way to the beginning because you mentioned 20th anniversary of BuckleyPlanet.com. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, you've probably got blog posts older than some people watching the show right now, which that's scary. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, even... All right, in the comments, Brigetti says, you're great, not 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 even old. <laughs> well, my my three grandkids <laughs> would uh, argue with you about that, but yeah. But uh yeah, let's let's go back. Um yeah. so I'm curious because nowadays everybody's got a blog, everybody's got a podcast, and mm-hmm. I say that because I have a blog and I have a podcast. Uh but 20 years ago, not so much. So what what inspired you? What was that trigger that you looked around and said, this is going to be good. This is going to be something I want to do. And this is something people are going to want to consume. You know, what's funny enough is I, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't even know if the, if the word blog existed when I, when I launched the site. Um, I had been doing some writing um, prior to that. Now, I, I did what some people ha- have this experience where. So I had I'd been doing writing for my own startup. We sold our startup. Uh, in January of 2001, actually sold to, for those that remember Rational Software. And then I partnered with Rational with, uh, then they got acquired later that year, I believe, by IBM. And so I had a partnership with Rational and and Catapulse, if, for, if you want to nerd out in that space, um, and remember those names. And then with IBM for a few years, I then went to work for a company that didn't want me blogging. And in fact, it was part of the employment agreement. Like they were very careful with ah. the messaging. And I'm sure there's people that have run into this. In fact, when I started at Microsoft in 2006, they said, you know, we don't want you blogging. And I just kind of, I looked at Robert Scoble had already left. And I looked at what he did, basically gave them the, uh, like the one finger salute and said, Hey, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I just continued blogging as well. Um, but, you know, throughout all of that, the beginning of it, it was more of a cataloging of different technologies. I started it specific. Hmm. I'll tell you exactly uh, what I started it because I had planned to pursue a doctoral program looking at the social informatics of collaboration technology. My specialty is collaboration technology. If you think of the social tools as being one aspect of that, if you think of like meetings technology Zoom, Teams, things like that. SharePoint fits within that. All collaboration tech. I've been involved with collaboration technology since the late 90s. We even built our own uh, uh, chat system, chat tools as part of my own software company. Uh, And so I started cataloging the various players that were out there thinking I'm going to start on down this road. I'm going to towards my doctoral program. Then as I started doing more research into this, I also realized that um, I had to be careful with what I wrote about because anything that I collected, reported on, wrote about 
before I started my program could not be counted as part of it. So I paused, I had started it with that intent, but then I started just kind of broadly writing about the business aspects, which were not really the focus of my planned doctoral program. So I just started cataloging, you know, the early days of LinkedIn, my LinkedIn number is, uh, some people are aware of this, that you, we all have a number of when we joined, I'm number five, 5,661. It used to be in your URL. It would like have your username in this ugly URL and it would have the, your actual member number within it. Now there's a, I don't remember how to do it. You could, you can actually go and look it up, Google it on, you know, how do I find my LinkedIn member number? And there's a way of finding that. Um, but yeah, so I was very early on was a member of LinkedIn, but there were other social programs. I mean, there are, uh, platforms, MySpace. There was one called Rise, R-Y-Z-E. It's actually, I think it's still out there. The founder, Adrian Scott, is a, is an investor. He's living down in like Central America, brilliant guy at the beginning of kind of all this. So I started cataloging all these different tools and capabilities and writing about these things. And, uh, you know, it, it, so it was just fascinating thinking I was going to go in and do a doctoral program, which I, sorry, this is spoilers, but I uh, did not end up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I mean, it was, again, it was, so it was purely, I was writing to uh, about things I cared about that I thought were interesting. I didn't think at all about people reading it. It was a, like a bonus if somebody read something and commented or asked a question, could have a conversation, but I wasn't thinking about it in those terms at all. Yeah. And, you know, we were, we were chatting a little bit before the show started today and, I love that because I I get questions and I'm sure you get similar questions as well all the time from folks about, oh, how can I get more Twitter followers or how can I get more downloads or listens or views or whatever the metric is? And and yeah, I always say, or my response is always, you're you're thinking about it wrong because it's not, I get 10,000 followers and then I make helpful content. It's you create things that people want to consume or things that will help people. And then people will naturally want to follow you to get those latest blog posts, updates, code, whatever it is you're working on. And, and so, yeah, I love that. That was the foundation of your blog. Not, I want to get 10,000 views a week. Uh, rather just, this is something I think might be helpful. And, if anything, it sounds like it was helpful for you. So almost selfishly, <laughs> like, let me offload my brain onto this website. Right. In, in, in a way that was searchable that I could go and find it and, and access it. You know, it's kind of funny though, that, uh, and I'm not, I, so I'm a big uh, OneNote guy. And so for the last, especially the last decade, I've just really ramped it up. Um, I can't remember, maybe that's the, how long OneNote's been around, but I started leveraging you know, OneNote to document kind of everything within it. And I, so every, just about everything I've published on the blog is in OneNote first. And so, and I'll actually have like a folder where I archive my OneNotes. Once it's published, I'll grab the URL for the published site. If it's published on my own site or if I write for someone else or my company or whatever it is, put it in there and I'll archive it. When I'm going and researching on a topic, especially recurring themes that I write about, um, again, collaboration themes, 
social informatics uh, governance is something I talk about IT operations, IT governance a lot. That's a, m most of my career has been in and around um, IT governance. Um, I will go and research to my OneNote and or my blog first and be like, and I'll find stuff that I, that I write and sometimes reading through, you know, years later, be like, I had, I completely forgot that I wrote that. And sometimes and when you do that too, it's sometimes fun to go back and just like, wow, that that's really good. I, I didn't know <laughs> I should, I should steal that, you know, and write something new. Um, but it, it, but it has been exactly what I intended at the beginning. Um, it's, it's been a resource for me to go back and look at historical. I'll go back and, and look at, I know that I was at that event and, uh, and I wrote about it extensively. Great example. Um, you remember when Yammer was acquired by Microsoft. Now, do, com yeah. former company that I worked for, we partnered with Yammer prior. In fact, it frustrated Microsoft that we were a Microsoft partner, but we were partnering with Yammer. And there's some other stories I can tell there. Um, but uh, you know, then they acquired them. But I, being big in uh, you know social technology. Um, it was a big deal that that happened. And, and so the next few keynotes that were after the announcements were made, and I kept copious notes around that and blog posts around that stuff. And I've been able to go back and, and I've actually, I was interviewing, uh, and I don't remember exactly the point, but I remember I was uh, talking with Jared Spataro, who's whatever his title is now at Microsoft, very, very senior. Um, at the time he uh, he led the SharePoint um, uh, engineering team and product marketing. Uh, and we're, I was talking about something and he made some statement about Yammer, about the intent of Microsoft. I'm like, no, that wasn't the intent. I said, this, this is what it was. And he's like, no, I went back and I sent him a link to the blog post that had like the actual messaging that Microsoft announced on and to show him how the messaging had changed, had shifted um, over interesting. So, yeah, it's always, that's another fun thing about blogging is um, when people kind of change different facts, being able to go and having documented it and call them out and have the, uh, <laughs> have the data behind that and show that the blog post was not, has not been edited since 2013, you know? So uh, it's a historical document. So. Huh? Oh, I love that. And so, uh, so yeah, I'd love to go back to, the theme on today's show, if you haven't picked it up, dear viewer, uh, we're, we're talking community. Uh, you know, I used to work at Microsoft. Christian does a lot with Microsoft. So you might be a little uh, interested why we're mentioning Microsoft, talking about it. Um, but it's because we're, we're focusing on building communities, developer communities today. And, and so, Christian, if we go back, you, you, we've got this website now where 20 years ago, um, probably community manager community wasn't even really a word back then. Um, so, yep. so how did you then grow into, you know, today you manage multi communities are very well known for, um, helping grow and even facilitating others. Um, so what, what was the next step after we've got this blog post to now I'm going to, stand-up community or did it happen more organically? Well, I, I'll go backwards a little bit. So I, I started my, uh, my, my first company, um, uh, which is called, uh, such a horrible name. It was called 
ptosis with a Q, Q like roses, but with a Q, which stood for it's an acronym, of course, <laughs> um, for quality object oriented software and engineering systems. And uh, so we'll get into what we did, but we, uh, uh, but that was that happened. Uh, started that during business school with uh, with two of my classmates uh, as a project that evolved into a company. It was a started with a piece of hardware and evolved into software and into the larger systems which is what we eventually sold. But um, we started participating. So I'm born and raised in the San Francisco Bay area. You know, we were talking, talked about that in a previous discussion. Um, so I grew up in, uh, in Diablo Danville, uh, California for folks that know that out in the East Bay. Uh, I started participating in a, uh, at more of a peninsula based group called the software development forum or SDF. Um, and, uh, it was actually headquartered down out of San Jose. Um, but with a lot of events that happened in Silicon Valley and up the peninsula and in San Francisco and never over into the East Bay when I was uh, started attending. So it was user groups. They called them special interest groups or SIGs instead of user groups. And they would have different as they, as the CEO is a founder of a startup and eventually going to look for funds. I started to go to these networking events and uh, participating in monthly meetings for um, for entrepreneurs and you know how to get funds how to find you know the right attorney um, and then different technology sigs or user groups I said this is fantastic um, and then <clears throat> um, you know I, I started as I got to know the, some of the organizers of SDF and they had been around I think SDF was formed in the I don't know, late sixties, early seventies by a bunch of the biggest VC firms been around for a long time. Um, and this was the, uh, uh you know, in the, uh, late nineties that we're talking about, um, uh, said, why, why aren't we doing any of these events out in the East Bay? You have, you know, uh, 60% of the workforce of the Bay area is coming from the East Bay. So the far East Bay where I lived, as well as the Eastern shore, commuting over driving over a bridge and i drove over a bridge for about eight years um so working <laughs> in downtown san francisco working in san mateo eventually redwood uh, uh yeah, redwood city and um, palo alto um and drove over a bridge every day um there's a different discussion around that i've worked in primarily collaboration technology companies that enabled people to work from anywhere in the world. And yet their policy was they would not allow people to work remotely. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but, so here I was you know, saying, Hey, why aren't any of these events, these user groups over in the East Bay? And so they did a couple of uh, trial events and they were well attended, but the organizers uh, complained about having to drive so far. <laughs> to organize and run them. And there weren't all the venues and there were, there were logistical problems, but they just, they weren't willing to figure that out. Um, so in early two thousands, um, so before I, is it before I, or right after I sold the company sometime around that time, um, met up with two other uh, co-founders and we started a group called the East Bay, uh, innovation group, uh, called ebig.org. And we, we didn't intend to go head to head with, software development forum, but we intended to create something similar specifically for, um, the East Bay and it ended up, we had a partnership with SDF where any paid members of either organization could attend 
as full members of the others events. So we've, we figured something out. There was a, there, you know, some percentage that crossed, but most people, when there were events in the East Bay, they didn't feel the need to drive all the way down to San Jose to go attend to an event. And so we saw <clears throat> over the first two years, we went from zero to 10,000 registered members. So it, wow. I ran, I ran a collaboration SIG and I ran the startup and entrepreneur SIGs. So three different user groups that I personally ran. And I had people that I worked with that were part of, we had like a little mini board for each of the user groups, but we had dedicated locations that were in Livermore and uh, um, Dublin, San Ramon, Walnut Creek, Concord, um, over some over we used uh, in Oakland. In fact, the ones in Oakland, I mean, famously, we had, um, uh, we, we did, we started one that was around the social technology. Um, so we had a bunch of, we, we had Craig Newmark came and spoke. So of Craigslist, um, uh, we had uh, founders of LinkedIn came in and presented to us. So we got a lot of big names coming out and talk. We got a bunch of VCs to come over because again, the relationship with with SDF, we, we understood early on that to start something hundred percent from scratch without leveraging the experts and what was already built before us and complementing and working with them, that was a faster path to success. So building on something is easier than starting something from scratch. Unless what's already there is just complete garbage and, you know, <laughs> but from a community standpoint, you want to go and partner first, leverage what's there, and then add on to that and, and build and grow. Um, but but that's that's how I got started. It was really that um, participating in those, that, those community efforts, you know, the blogging came after that was already underway, hmm. um, that had already started. Um, but you know, just kind of added on to that. And again, we were before we knew it was blogging. I know there were platforms that out there. I originally hosted my blog on uh TypePad for those that remember that old dedicated blogging platform, one of the earliest. And the 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 TypePad, it just again wasn't performance, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a, a strong performance platform, it had issues and <laughs> but um, WordPress eventually beat it out and it, I migrated over pretty late. Um, but you had, you know, more and more people that were starting to build out and say, it, it, you know, it's, there's, there's a social component to the growth of a lot of the startups uh, during the, you know, the, the bubble era, the dot-com era. Mm -hmm. A lot of them understood that there was the networking, the social aspect of it. So we need to employ those, those tools. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of stuff happening, but a lot, it was, it was more just participating in what was happening at the, at the time and recognizing that there's, Hey, this is something that we were leveraging to build out. Um, I, I was interested in the networking opportunities that brought me as the founder of a CEO and uh, CEO of a startup. But I, I recognized that this itself, the community, the aspect of it, um, that you know, it's something that stuck with me. So even when I sold the, the company, stayed involved with, kept blogging, kept kept writing, kept doing the community activities, and and that's something that has opened up so many opportunities for me. Um, and again, it goes back to I, I wasn't doing it because I was trying to uh, accomplish a goal. It was all about 
I'm learning about this stuff. I'm talking about it. My experience is out there. Always, we always joke, like if I could just, you know, help that one person out there, that it makes it all worthwhile. And, uh, you know, but it, it's, while it is great when to, to have that experience where one person says, Hey, I've had very similar experience. Um, I learn a lot from, because a lot of times they'll, they'll say, you know, this is how I went about it. I did this differently. And this is the outcome. And be like, wow, I didn't, I didn't consider that that option. And and other times, you know, they say, hey, it validates what I went through, what I experienced, or what I tried to build. Um, so it's a it's an ongoing, continual learning tool for me, as well as a sharing mechanism. Yeah, and I want to I want to dive a little deeper into something you said because this is really resonating with me. Um, and hopefully, I can get this right. But you said instead of creating something from scratch, we should uh, leverage what already exists, partner with them, then build and grow. And I I look at my journey uh, and I haven't been uh, in the community as long, but you know, I'm coming up on about 10 years and it's incredible to me because kind of the same journey. Like I started at meetups as well. Uh, just attending, trying to learn more. And then meetups, for anybody that doesn't know, meetups are always looking for speakers. And so if you ever want to help anything. out, right. If, if you, <laughs> you want to get involved, I mean, you just showing up is, you know, 80% of it. And, uh, and if then you say, Hey, I'd love to volunteer just to help you're in, like, no one's going to say no to that. Right. And and uh, yeah, that's why I always tell folks like, oh, how do I, how do I get my first speaking gig? It's like, well, any meetup owner is desperate for speakers. That's the worst or the hardest part of running a meetup is finding the next speaker for the next meetup. But, um, but yeah, my journey is very similar, you know, started presenting at meetups. Um, and then from that you end up creating, uh, so for me, sample apps or blog posts or write-ups uh, just to correspond with that. And and so leveraging what's already there, so going to where the community already exists, partnering with those meetups to help ensure they flourish, and then build and grow, kind of finding what what more, what are we missing? What more can we do? What, what does it feel like the community needs? Mm-hmm. And then growing. So the growth kind of comes organically. Um, I'm kind of curious is, was that just an off the cuff <laughs> saying, or is that, is that no, copyrighted I mean, there, Christian Buckley? Where no, no, there's, there's partner? something, it, it, there, there's a, uh, you know, uh, well, like my religious background, there's the very much of like, you'll find things that are good and, and add to that good, you know, and it's just kind of a life philosophy thing, but, um, you know, so that's very much, you know, throughout my life. And, um, but I, I just have found that that is true very much true for community. And, you know, we were also talking before we started recording and we're, we're talking about a few things. And um, like, I've never been uh, one of these people that, that looks at, okay, what are people searching for on my blog and what got the most traffic? And I should go write more about those things. Cause as we were talking about, like I have a blog post <laughs> that I wrote, and I went and looked it up before we started in 2019 that keeps showing up in the top three month after month after month. And it's about a topic outlook that I don't care much about. I was interested in that, that one thing. And I wrote about it. And I, in fact, I even guessed 
I said, I think I've only written about it two other times, Outlook, on my blog since then. And I was right. I wrote in 2020 and then 2022 something about Outlook on there. Like it's I, But if I were looking at how do I get more viewers? How do I get more readers? How do I, if I was driven by that, I would be writing a lot more about those topics and Outlook's just one of those things. But you know, looking at the performance of that, but that's never been how I write. So when people do, they ask me the same question, like, well, how do I grow my website? How do I grow my followers? How do I do that? And the, the, uh, in, if you look at, um, call them algorithm driven content creators, that's what they're doing. They're looking at what's the highest performing types of content. And they're doing those things. It's why you see all these people that are doing, you know, the repeat stuff of like reaction videos and, you know, <laughs> that like that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, content creators out there. Like I was looking at this as such a, you know, as, as being a middle-aged guy, uh, uh, you know, I absolutely love Charlotte Dobre. If you don't know who that is, uh, she is just a funny human being and I love her style and I'm just a big fan of her style of, but that's like all she does. But that, so now I've just started noticing all of these other content creators doing the same kind of stuff. None of them as funny as Charlotte. She's like awesome at it. Anyway, um, if, if you're looking at for videos, it's like if it's two in the morning, you're sick, you're wide awake, and you want to watch funny videos about bridezillas um, destroying <laughs> their family and friend relationships, go to Charlotte's you know website. Uh, but uh, but anyway, um, but that's but that's what uh, so much of the advice by experts out there to grow is go and find what's popular, do more of that kind of thing. My argument for organic, healthy community is um, to like you can be aware of the types of content. That's why, I mean, you and I have both diversified. You do, we do audio and video and I do written and we speak in, in person. We do a variety of things because there are different people, different styles. There are people that they may have never seen you, heard you, and they show up at a show and they're just like, you're fantastic and thank you for this. And they just don't read blogs. They don't listen to podcasts. They don't watch YouTube. Like, it's like, how are you existing in the world today? But there they are. Um, but you show up we at a show. in very different worlds. Right. So you just, you have to have, there's different, this is the marketing guy speaking, there's different channels of distribution and you need to have a variety of channels of distribution to reach all the potential audience members of, of your content. But about what you write about, the number one, this goes back to, again, another marketing guy, Seth Godin, talked about early on, and it, famously his first book, sold his company, Yo-Yo Dying, to, uh, 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 to um, oh, crap, now just for the name. Anyway, sold his company in the, in the 90s um, for hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever. It became this marketing guru. He wrote this first book, uh, um, Permission Marketing. And he went on to write uh, other books. My two of my favorites are Purple Cow. And my best title is All Marketers Are Liars, uh, which is <laughs> uh, And but, but it talked about, so the, the, the theme throughout all of that is authenticity. So if you're not authentic, people know it. They see it. Mm. Like if I went out and tried to write, um, you know, Christian Buckley's Guide to .NET, like, no, 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 like, no. Um, uh, the AI is not yet good enough for me to fake that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, so for me to go and write about collaboration technology, write about governance topics that I know about, uh, Microsoft releases something new. I can go and write about those perspectives on my SharePoint background. I can go write about that on the collaboration technology, the broader, you know, my industry knowledge in the space. I worked for years in the high tech manufacturing space. So I understand um, IT and technology and operations aspects of the manufacturing sector. Um, worked when I joined Microsoft. I, uh, you know, I knew the oil and gas uh, exploration space and worked with clients in the mining industry globally. So these are industries that I can go and talk about the the nuances of the technology, the impacts that are different around that. So if I go write an article on something, I've got you know in those areas not a huge uh, audience compared to um, a reaction video to people watching the latest Microsoft product announcement. Like, you know, those, those exist that are, they're out there. I don't watch those either, but um, <laughs> you know, I might get more clicks. I might get more views around that, but it wouldn't be authentic for me to go and do as an extreme example, but uh, just to, to, you know, keep it in theme there. But um, yeah. So, that's why I encourage people to go and write about, um, you know, what you know in your journey and don't worry about, um, cause I've, I've heard this from, uh, people that are like, you know, how do I, how do I get started with that? It's like, write about what, you know, write, what, write about where you're going through. And, and people, I uh, hear this all the time. They say, well, I've read these other definitive articles that have answered the questions about that topic. I said, yeah, but not in your voice not with your experience, your background, and the likelihood that everybody in the world has read that one, what you call the definitive article that answers all the questions about that is not likely. And yet they found yours. And people might prefer my voice to a Scott Hanselman. Um, they may per prefer my perspective um, over there. I just bring that up because I've my podcast is up for an award um, next week, I'll find out I'm up against Scott Hanselman. So if you don't know Ooh. Scott Hanselman, um, I'm not going to win. But the fact that I'm timeless <laughs> and, uh, and I'm one of the three and I'm against Hanselman. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, by the way. but yeah, they, yeah, it's uh, uh, so I'm, I'm fine with being a finalist. That's great. Um, but it's uh, but again, it just comes down to I'm going to continue writing about what I write about, talking about what I'm talking about, doing it because I'm passionate about the topics that I write about. I realize it's a smaller audience than maybe I can reach, but that's not my goal. Yeah. And I'm curious to get your perspective on something because I, I totally agree with you about um, focusing on what, not just what you know, but also like what you're excited about um, mm -hmm. being bringing your authentic self, like you said. Uh, but I'm kind of curious to get your opinion on why, why do you think things like, or things will flame out? So let's say I always make reaction videos now because I did one, it got hundreds of thousands of views, but now I keep doing them and they only get 10,000 views, 1,000 views. You know, why, why do you think things like that peter out when we kind of start going away from doing what we enjoy and what are authentic and I guess stop being our, our authentic selves. Uh, yeah, I, so again, I, I think, I think fundamentally people understand if it's not 
authentic. There's there's something about it. I don't know. There's like this. There's the sparks not in our eye around doing it. It's like I don't, I don't know. It's a it's an intangible thing. People recognize it though. Again, if I were to to start talking about topics that are you know out of my league, I don't have that area of expertise. I mean, people do not come to me for answers on .net, and so I'm I would not speak about .net. Um, but it's a I think that's part of it. If you're um, because a lot of a, a lot of what builds up that the audience and maintains that is the is that consistency around that. If people there's something that drew them towards that. If they're not seeing it, I mean, there's an indicator of like, Hey, this is not, this is not working. The other thing I would say that, um, like there are, there are videos that I do. I do uh, another series that I have running out on YouTube is, uh, the M three, six, five. So the Microsoft three sixty five AMA or ask me anything. So M three, six, five AMA series where we go and we find questions that people are asking a lot of them unanswered questions out on the interwebs somewhere. We pull them out of Facebook communities. We pull them off of um, uh, a Microsoft tech community. We, you know, we pull things off of just various sites that are out there. Uh, and then there's a panel, there's a group of us and there's about 16, 17 of us now. And we get together in small groups and we answer these questions and we do it in a video. Um, we're not, sharing code bits and, and, and we're, you know, there's nothing, it's not, you know, overly technical. I mean, it is the subject matter that we go through. It can be very technical, but we talk through it. And, uh, some of them get tens of views, Woo. Um, <laughs> others, Dozens. thousands, you know? Yeah. I, when I was in the band, we always just joke. It's like, we've, pres- we've, we've uh, played in front of literally dozens of people. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the others that take off and get thousands and tens of thousands of views and, and, you know, and again, that could be something where we might look at that and say, Hey, let's only go answer the questions around this topic that took off. Like, no, we're, we're answering questions on a broad variety. That's part of what I think makes our effort authentic. We've done like close to 250 of these videos, um, so far, and we're just, we're ongoing. In fact, I'm booking, we're doing more recordings this week. Um, but are, are you doing it because you're looking for the clicks and to grow or with those, that lower number of views, did you still share what you wanted to share? And were you good with that? Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, 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 I've often often thought about this. I just I realize that there are are people that are just like, no, I'm trying to build out my site. I'm I'm trying to get more views. I'm trying to build this domain around this. And maybe I'm not the right person to to ask about this. From a marketing side of this standpoint, I can talk to you about the mechanics of growth. Um, when it comes to what I actually do, because all of that it has nothing to do with my job. I'm doing it. It's my time. And so yeah. when I look at how I want to spend my time, I only want to do those spend time on the things that I personally enjoy that I'm passionate about those topics, not, not about what could help my company help my job. So that, hey, that's a big difference for a lot of people. I know that some people look at that and be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why, why do you waste your time doing it? Cause, cause I enjoy it. <laughs> right. It's like saying like, 
why do you waste your time doing woodworking? It's like, well, right. or fishing or whatever. <laughs> right. How does that help you sell more software? Yeah. Oh so, goodness. I do that. Yeah. I, I, I certainly agree with you that folks can recognize when that passion's not there. Um, and if you're doing things because you have to, you, you will eventually phone it in and your the quality is going to go down. Um, I also think that, uh, kind of answering my own question about why why we necessarily shouldn't follow the trends and what's hot in the moment is eventually that's going to fizzle out. So, uh, you know, sliding a little pop culture in because I just watched a, a documentary on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, and I don't want to get into any of that <laughs> on oh, the podcast. It, it was great but, to watch parts of it, though. But yes. <laughs> But yeah, this huge cultural moment and and the reason I was laughing when you brought up reaction videos was that was the whole zeitgeist um, on YouTube, TikTok was folks got so many followers and views because they made reaction videos about it. But eventually that trial ends and it did. It ended. And then and then what? And all these people who came to you um, because you doubled down on this snippet uh moment in time you know, they're they're not gonna stick around because you doubled down on that and it was great in the moment but it's not really long lasting it's not building that foundation that foundation and right. you know, what do you what do you do next to try to find it find another live stream trial and react to it you know things those moments are so rare um and so i really see that yeah it's like this flash in the pan that's going to happen and Sure, you can double down on it and you'll have that short-term success, but in the long term, a year from now, then what? And, right. and that's why, yeah, I love that um that advice, Christian, of just yeah, sticking to your authentic self, doing what you enjoy, because whatever's hot right now isn't gonna be hot in a couple weeks, couple months, couple years, and Will you even enjoy it then? <laughs> so well, there's I, look, there's, there's things uh, and I'll use a, another a, example um, uh, uh, like Mr. Beast. Um, so here's a guy who started off. He was doing anything he could to grow, uh, you know, like shock videos, just, uh, you know, just doing crazy stunts to try and, and gain viewers. And he, and he did, and he, he did things where he copied people that were doing interesting things that were larger than him. He had a lot of, you know, uh, followers, the copycats that would, uh, you know, try to duplicate what he did. But then he just, he started the philanthropy side of it. And it really, and he, he, and it was always towards the beginning. It was like, there's, there's a guy, I don't know what, what care what you think about him. It's like, here's a guy who, again, is authentic cares about people, wants to help people. If he has the ability to help somebody, he wants to, to help people. And that has become so much more. That's the underlying theme of everything else he does. He does it so he has the ability to go and help others. I, I'm, you know, I, so I, I, to some degree, that's true for the content that I'm, I'm doing it because I love helping people. It's one of the, it's like the runner's high of, uh, being able to go when somebody says this was so helpful, this answered my questions about that. Like you do, you get that, that runner's high, that rush out of that, that satisfaction and helping somebody 
um, to, to learn. One of the worst things that I, you can do for a person like me is like go to one of my sessions at a conference and don't ask questions, don't have any comments. Like presenting <laughs> to a silent room is one of the worst things. You know, I prefer to be interactive. I will change the what I talk about based on the types of questions that are coming in. I'll modify things, adjust for the needs of the questions uh, that are coming up. The conversations that happen after presenting a session, after writing a, a feature article, and the conversations that come up because of that are some of the best. I, I just I love that that interaction with people afterwards. Let's go have a conversation. I shared as a thought leader in these areas, people come up and disagree with me. Fantastic. One of my closer friends within the community early on in my speaking career in this ecosystem ripped apart one of my sessions. Um, and people afterwards came up and it's like, are, like, are you pissed off? The guy, he was like asking, he's challenging you in the session. I'm like, I was like, he was right. He, I, <laughs> I had not answered those questions. Like, and I pointed out, I said, we're not disagreeing. What I said wasn't incorrect. It just wasn't complete. I took his feedback and it became a better session. And I thanked him outright for it. And we're friends to this day. That was over 10 years ago. Um, and it was fantastic. Um, and I then, of course, in a dark alley, I grabbed him like, you'll never do that in front of people again. No, I, you know, <laughs> but it was no. So I love to have that, that interaction. It's like, you know, building muscle, you've got to break down the muscle for it to heal and repair and to, to, to be able to grow. You need to have that feedback, that interaction. So even if you are, I wouldn't call it selfishly, but I'll use that word selfishly doing com community <coughs> apologies, just getting over being sick here. But even though you're, you, you may be doing this, these activities to benefit your career and grow. I, I mean, look, that's a part of why I do what I do, but it's it's just kind of a built-in piece of it. It's not the reason why I'm doing it. Um, but you know, you you want to focus on certain areas and kind of build a name for yourself. Do there's nothing wrong with that. But again, um, with the goal of helping people and learning, there should be the feedback the feedback mechanisms for that. It shouldn't be the primary reason why you do those. But love this and. To, so to stick with that theme uh, we were talking about earlier about um, you know partnering first, going to where the community exists, helping them build and and then growing, I, I feel like we've we've touched on the first two so far. So partnering uh, in our case was joining local meetups and finding user out group. where right. yeah. yeah user groups, see where the community is, um, see what they need, uh, building for them like we've talked about um, authentic content should be things you enjoy because that's what's going to keep you coming back. And it's what keeps me coming back is I enjoy doing it. Um, but if we shift forward into that, that growth part, it almost sounds like a couple of things we're saying are conflicting because we're almost saying, you know, in, ignore that, that viral growth um, and ignore that blog post that did really well. And don't double down on it. Um, but I don't think that's what we're saying. No, um, no, no. It you, yeah, how do we grow yeah. that? So there, there are certain things. Well, like we were talking about, um, like my, my the blog platform and problems before we started recording too. And I'm like, I'm switching. I won't get into the detail of that. But one thing you need to do, this is kind of an operational thing. And sorry, I'm going to nerd out here. This is an MBA thing. But uh, so W. Edwards Deming 
is an important person in the history of business and technology. So he was uh, one of the Americans that were sent over to Japan after World War II to help rebuild. And he's part of the whole total quality management, um, like that whole movement. But the highest quality award in industry that you can get in Japan is the Deming Award. And uh, one of the things that he, and I can hear his voice because I've watched the videos so many times, um, he would talk about, talk about is you're, you're constantly optimize the system. You need to do everything to make sure that there are not technical reasons for why you're not growing. And so that where like there's, it's completely true. I, I talked about the channels, having multiple channels, that's constant. I'm a marketer too. So that there's like, there's always, you know, you've got to make sure that you're, you're investing in different areas. And there's great books I can recommend on that topic. Um, but you're making sure that is my website performing of where, whatever it is, is it, is, am I, we were talking about broadcasting for the podcast. Is it, you know, uh, syndicated? Is it on every possible syndicatable not a word, but device or, or, or site that's out there. Is it on, you know, iTunes and SoundCloud and, and Stitcher and kind of everything out there? Um, uh, you know, are you doing all those things? Is it in consumable fashion, starting to look at the data of your website, for example, to look at, you know, what's the, 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 the click rate in how, how long are people staying in their sites? How deep are they going? What kind of content around that? It, so you can look at those kinds of things and you might make a decision like, Hey, maybe, so what, Oh, here's, I just was thinking of this too. Like that article that I brought up, that's always in my top three that on a topic that I really don't care about. If it was, <laughs> there are other topics that are in the categories of things that I really care about. I do try to write more about those. And so I think a lot of my growth is because I've become more specialized in those things that I care about. They aren't the biggest potential for my site, but I am looking at the metrics of the topics that I care about. It's just unfortunate that some of my most popular articles and things that I do are about things that I don't care about and will likely not build on. Like, but, and so I, I go and try to focus on the things that do align. Um, and that is, say it's, it's a constant thing you need to look at. Monthly, looking at your metrics monthly looking at, at, at the minimum on a monthly basis understanding what are your competitors doing in the space i mean there's free tools that are out there where you can go and look at what other bloggers what other podcasters are doing what other uh, you know webcasters what the other shows that are popular and do a comparison look at what keywords what kind of traffic are driving towards those things you can go look at those things and employ those tools Again, I would say, don't make that the primary way that you're creating, but align yourself where, again, where it fits with the things that you actually care about, where you're authentic, if that makes sense. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I'm almost kicking myself for, and we never do record pre-shows, you know, for f folks who might not know, you know, Christian joined uh, logs in about 30 minutes ahead of time. And we do this with all the guests just to do a quick tech check, make sure everything's working properly so that everything looks good when we do go live. Um, but in this case, yeah, I kind of wish we would have recorded that conversation because um, 
Yeah, we we talked about um, people have to buy the DVD to get. The, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Only our Patreon supporters get access. Uh, subscribe. Yeah. Uh, just kidding, but do subscribe to the podcast. Um, but um, yeah, we we talked about it because it's almost as if the world will change around you. So even if everything you did, let's say I stood up a blog five years ago, everything's working great, uh, but. How do people find that blog? Like search engine optimization. How does Google's algorithm, uh, recommendation algorithm work? And those things are constantly going to be changing. And so even if we set up everything perfectly a year ago, five years ago, it doesn't mean it'll still be good today. And right. I love that advice about, you know, your your growth engine needs that maintenance. You know, even if we're not looking, and I'm not looking to become famous or a uh, multimillionaire because of my blog. <laughs> if it happened, I mean, that'd be incredible. Darn, but yeah. 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 If all of a sudden I get I'll a million dollar it. paycheck yes. for my ads on my blog. Great. That's right. Uh, but certainly not my goal. And, but yeah, I think the bottom line is you have to continue to invest. And I love that advice. Like check in once a month. Did things drastically change? Yeah. Why is that? It doesn't mean necessarily we did anything wrong, but the world is going to continue and evolve around us. And if we're not aware that Google no longer displays search results for things that say .NET spelled period N-E-T instead of D-O-N-E-T, you know, little things like that can be huge. And we do have to keep that preventative maintenance going. And you've You've inspired me, Christian. I'm going to go back and look <laughs> at my metrics, which I've been uh, neglecting. Um, but we only have a couple minutes left. And I do want to thank you for coming on the show. I, I love this advice of partner, build, and grow. I think we can use that for all of our communities. And I'm going to steal that from you. That's something that I'm going to recommend to folks again who might come with the wrong, a good intentions, but the wrong mindset where you might want to build followers, subscribers, but really partner build and grow. Um, so for Christian, uh, anybody out there who wants to continue um, joining you in these conversations, continue learning all these great things like we did today, uh, where, where can they find you on, online? Well, on social, you can find me just about everywhere under Buckley Planet, which is a, a long story, the a joke um, uh, uh, name. Um, but uh, yeah, BuckleyPlanet.com is the website. My podcast uh, is Collab Talk. Um, and so you can find me uh, also there on every podcast platform. Um, but Buckley Planet is where you'll find just about everything out there. I think I'm the only Buckley Planet on the planet, which was kind of the joke at, when it started. But <laughs> yeah. Well, even in the comments, you know, uh, seven said the planet of Buckley must be yeah. nice. And oh, it's, it's, it's lovely, but it's from the photo of my, uh, of my social, uh, uh, you know, my, my face on Twitter, for example, I refuse to call it X, um, uh, on Twitter is blue. So the, everything is blue. Everything tastes blue on the planet of Buckley. So yeah. <laughs> blue, but, yeah. Love it so much. Well, thanks again, Christian. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, would love to have you back on the show to learn even more. I feel like we only touched on the tip of the iceberg to all of your insights and community. So thank you again so much for joining us. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening 
don't forget, we do have an audio podcast now. So we're on on all the major platforms. If you use Spotify, if you use Apple Podcasts, check out the .NET and AWS show audio podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Give us a give us a review. Help other people find it. And thanks so much for joining. We'll be back next month. We do this show twice a month. So we'll see you in December for more amazing .NET on AWS show content. Thanks again.